Hey, this is Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. We've been taught to behave, to fit in, to follow the rules, but Dream Masons reject conventional thought. Dream Masons are rebels. They take a chisel to the marble that is typical traditional life. They carve out brilliance and broadcast it to the world. Join me for another chapter as we unmask convention, embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up and welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I am your host, Alex Terranova. It's October 7th. We are two thirds of the way through 2020. I was actually thinking about today how, uh, you know, we've regarded 2020 or so many people have regarded 2020 as like this horrible year. Um, as if like bad things don't happen every year and it's not to downplay all the terrible things that have happened this year. But I started to think about like, man, there were, you know, 40 million, I think, Americans starving before 2020. There's people starving all over the world. There's people without jobs. There's people dying of diseases. And I was kind of taking that and, and thinking about how, how grateful I am for my situation and how lucky I feel, but also like what there is to learn from this year. Like what did this year put in our space that we can learn from? And for me, more than anything, the thing that I'm learning from this year is to like slow down, be present, listen, listen to other people, listen to like my intuition, my heart, um, really choose who I want to work with, what projects I want to work on, how I want to spend my time. Cause it seems like there's, you, we really got present to how much time there is. Uh, and at the same time, this year seems like it flew by. Um, so I, I am curious as I'm talking to people, what they're learning this kind of just came up for me in the last week. Um, but I'm curious now as I'm like, hey, what are people learning from this year? And how are they going to incorporate that into their life moving forward, depending on whatever the next year brings? Uh, so for me, it's that. I want, to keep, I want to keep some stillness, some quiet, some slowness. I don't want to be grind, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle um, without any of the recovery that goes with it. Um, my guest today um, is going to be able to tell us a lot about the the financial side of the hustle 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 and the recovery but also about the physical he he's extremely accomplished in two very different sectors and uh it's going to be i'm very curious to to hear what he has to say and what this year's been like for him uh he is a doctor he is the ceo of a company called the camp franchise which has a hundred over a hundred locations of what they call transformation centers and their gyms. He's the CEO of Myosport, uh, the CEO of 1%, um, sorry, 1% Nutrition. He is a bodybuilder as well. Like he's a, he won, this is pretty incredible. So I used to work out at Gold's Gym in Venice Beach for, for years and I was around bodybuilders. Bodybuilding is incredibly disciplined sport that if you look at it, it's very specific. There's a lot of big guys, a lot of muscly guys, but the person who wins, it's very specific things. And he won first place in every weight class 
So there's, I don't know, five or six weight classes. He kept changing his weight. That is extraordinarily incredible. He was Mr. LA. He was Mr. California. He was a runner up for Mr. USA, which is a really big deal. He also hosts the One Percenter podcasts and maybe the most important things. He's a father of three and he's married. So if it's not clear, he's done a lot. He's doing a lot. There's, there's a lot of balls in the air. Um, welcome to the Dream Mason podcast. Sam Bakhtiar. How are you doing, man? Alex, thank you so much for that awesome introduction, man. I'm doing awesome, man. First of all, man, I want to thank you for your time and thank you for having me on your, on your show. Dude, I feel, I feel privileged when um, my, my partner in this, he's my assistant, he's my producer, Nico Powell, uh, came to me and he was like, I got this guy. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know who, I don't know his name, right? Which that doesn't mean anything. We live in a world with 8 billion people. We don't know everyone's names. But as soon as he told me who you were and I looked you up, it was like, oh my God, this guy is extraordinarily accomplished in so many different facets. Um, like right from family to fitness to business. When, when you, the first thing I just want to ask you is like, what's your favorite of all this? Like, what is your most proud accomplishment in your life? My children, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. You know, you know, my children, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, that, that's, that's it. That's the easiest question anyone can ask me. You know, money doesn't really matter. You know, at the end of the day is your legacy and what you leave behind. And uh, my children are my everything. Nice. Is there like one lesson um, that you would hope that you could give them or teach them in their life? Yes. Delay gratification. Hmm. You know, I think that's the number one predictor to success, especially in a world where, you know, we live in a microwave society where everybody wants everything fast. You want, you, everybody wants a six minute app. They want to put up a video and go viral. They want to, you know, become a millionaire overnight. You know, I, I think somebody who can delay gratification, you know, you know, and, and as crazy as this may be, you know, and I don't know if, if they're going to do this, but I want them to not have sex till they get married. You know, statistics show that, you know, if you have sex before you get married to that person, the chances of your divorce is 52%. Whoa. And, and, if, and if you don't have sex till you're married, you know, chances of you getting divorced is 7%. And I think the reason is that is you actually get to know that person at a deeper level, you know? And uh, so I think delayed gratification is the key to everything in life, whether it's you, if you want to accomplish money, if you want to save money and, and, and do things, you know, I mean, look at, look at Warren Buffett. The, the most expensive car he's ever owned is a Cadillac. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you uh, look at the top bodybuilder, they delay gratification every single day, you know, by, by not eating what everybody else is eating, by, go, by going to the gym. You know, and um, I think, yeah, that, that will be it. Uh, the first thing I just, for humor, because we'll never know, but the first thing I thought of when you said that stat was like, man, I wonder how many people lie on that survey <laughs> that they don't tell the truth about having sex before married or not. But I, I love the point is what matters is that you're, the point is true, right? We, we've all, I think most of us have probably been there, right? We fall into passion and like hedonistic kind of behaviors. Um, the, the, it, I love the point though, about set, we get lost in like passion or pleasure and all these things that th those are great. There's nothing wrong with those things, but they don't necessarily carry the longevity. It makes me think of, I talked about all the fitness things that you've accomplished. Yeah. 
And we could say the same thing, right? Like food is such a like hedonistic, we don't eat food to survive anymore. We eat food because like it tastes good and the social dynamic of it. And I know when I was, I, I never trained like at the level that you, that you competed at or anything like that. But I know that that's always been one of my greatest challenges is like to eat, to, to sustain the, the person I want to be or the lifestyle I want to create, not just to like, oh, because pizza and ice cream tastes good. What, to, to touch on that, actually, before we even get onto that, like, I know you're in, I'm seeing you in your gym right now. It looks like you're like slowly walking on the treadmill. What is it? What has this year been like for you? What is the experience of 2020 COVID, everything that's going on? What, what's, what's it been like? Well, Alex, man, this where has been very interesting to say the least, you know, um, you know, uh, I thought recession was different. You know, when I, um, when the recession hit in 2008, um, I was caught with my pants down because I never, you know, nobody ever taught me in college or I never had a dad to teach me the cycles of, you know, economy. And, uh, you know, I was one of those guys that, that I started making money, you know, and I was spending more than I was making. No matter how much I was making, I was spending more. I was over leveraged and 2008 really, really, you know, um, you know, took me for a spin. So I've been ready for another recession. You know, I've, I've been, you know, so, uh, but a pandemic I never imagined, you know, and this, uh, like you were saying, you know, uh, I have so much realizations right now because of the pandemic, you know, like you said, it slowed me down, you know, you know, I'm, I'm home a lot more. Matter of fact, you know, now I'm just working strictly from home. I'm not even going, going to the office anymore. Um, and also made me realize that, all the little things that we used to take, we take for granted. I mean, the little things, like I miss going to the movies. You know, I miss just going to the gym and at least working out and talking to some people. You know, I miss just going at, at a restaurant and eating and not having to figure out, you know, what, you know, it, it, I just miss it. And um, it shows you how precious life is. And for you to take nothing for granted, nothing is given. You know, if a little virus can shake our world upside down, literally, life is too precious to waste. You have to enjoy every minute. You have to, uh, you know, sit down and, and, and smell the flowers once in a while. Yeah, it's true. It's like those little things. There's so many gifts and there's those little things. Like, I, I agree with you. I miss going to a gym. Like, even if I didn't talk to anybody, just being in this presence around human beings where we're all like kind of committed yeah. to it. I used to go to hot yoga. Like that was, it's, I don't know. I mean, I see you're, like we said, you're in your gym at home. For me, working out at a place was part of the thing that made me reliable, right? All I had to do was get in my car. I wasn't going to turn around. Once I got there, I wasn't going to not do it. But when the workouts are at home, it's a whole new game. It's like a new oh. training. I have a whole, I have a home gym, but I never used it. And I have everything. I have a stairmaster. I have, you know, I have everything in here. You know, but I always went to the gym. It was part of my routine because you know I want to go to the gym because I believe that work got to be work, home got to be home, and gym got to be gym. And uh, now I miss it. Now I miss going to my favorite restaurant. I miss the movies. I'm like, man, I want to go to the movie. I, every, every once in a while, we like to go see a good movie, get some popcorn, sit down, and. And uh, it's crazy now, you know, it's, it's now I'll never take anything for granted ever again. 
how has it impacted you in the in your business? Like, what are you? I know you said you're not going to the office; you're working from home. What are you? What is? What are you? Your company, your employees? Like, what are you guys doing different this year, or even planning for 2021? So when life gives you lemons, man, you got to try to figure out how to make lemonade. You know, so there was no blueprint of what to do. So we tried to do many different things to try to survive and try to pivot. I know that 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 word everybody uses, but it's, it's actually a pretty pretty correct word. You know, so if our gyms are shut down, what do we need to do? Well, well, we can still coach people on the phone, online, through Zoom. We still need to, you know, stay in touch with people. If they said, okay, you can't train anybody on the inside, well, maybe we can put a tent on the outside and, you know, run some classes, run some sessions there. And that's exactly what we did. You know, we also put a lot of our clients, you know, uh, all of our clients into a private Facebook group provide a lot of value, you know, I, I give a lot of recipes, you know, workout videos, you know, went live many times a day to be able to keep, you know, stay relevant and provide a lot of value once, you know, you know, for, for the clients who have been with us. Do you notice that there's a different type of like who shows up regardless of the circumstances, right? Like maybe they can't go to the gym. I know, like I said, when this started, um, my cousin would wake up and she'd be on her app working out and I would be like, nah, I can't go to the gym. So I'm not going to do anything today. Now that didn't last too long. Cause I started to feel not, yeah. I didn't like the way I felt. And I started to have to use my, my discipline muscles to get me to work out even in a way I didn't like to work out. Like I had to do something, but, but she was like, Nope, there's no place. I got to do it right here, right away. What do you notice about humans and their behaviors through this process? Well, I think there's two types of people, man, you know, the type of people that, you know, will use any opportunity to come up with an excuse, you know, you know, any, any opportunity, you know, ah, oh, well, you know, I'm coming up with an excuse, you know, and they, and, 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 and there's other people where they say, you know what, I have a goal. I'm not going to let anything or anyone get in between me and my goal, you know, and you, you know, you, at, at first you came up with some excuse, nah, I'm not going to work out, but after a few days or, or a couple of weeks, when you felt like, oh my God, I just don't like the way I feel. I feel a little bulge coming on. I got to do something. But some people never do anything about it. And they just go down more spiral. You know, and um, pandemic has made so many people better. But it also has made so many people worse. It just depends on your mindset and all that kind of stuff. And I've, I'm a firm believer that if there's a will, there's a way. If you're committed to something, you want to be committed to it. I'm committed to walking four miles a day. Now on Wednesdays, you know, I'm, um, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't have the time to walk actually my regular loop. But guess what? So I know I'm going to be doing podcasts all day and shows all day. And guess what? I'm on a treadmill right now, walking as I'm doing this. So I, I, you know, I find a way. Yeah, I used to. Um... I used to kind of have that same thing. I used to have on Tuesday mornings, these meetings that started, they were networking meetings that started at like 6.30. And Wednesdays were like, uh, sorry, Tuesdays were like these networking meetings and then client meetings. And, and it was like basically from 6.30 a.m. to like 6 p.m. straight through. Mm -hmm. Like, no, maybe maybe 15 minutes here or there to like get a break, eat something. But, and I, you know, I hated my secretary for scheduling that. I am my secretary. Um, and, but I, I, I knew... I would wake up on those days at 4 a.m. 
Cause same thing to get, I had to get in that workout. And it wasn't because like, I, I realized I wasn't showing up as my best self through the whole day. It was too grind. It was too hard of a day to be like groggy or not awake or not aware. So it was like, I had to force that. Um, what are you, what, what taught you this? Like, where did this kind of, you know, you're wearing a 1% hat right now. And, and I want to get into like, what's the difference between the 1% you know, this, this kind of attitude, but what taught you, you know, who trained you like in this mindset and these behaviors? Yeah. You know what? That's a great question. And up until a few months ago, I didn't know till I had to really figure it out. I really go back in my history to figure out where I got this, you know, Alex, um, as long as I've, I've known this, um, uh, as long as I've known this, I always wanted better things in life. You know, I always, I, I remember when I was in school, I didn't want to date the okay chick. I want to go out with the hottest chick where everybody wanted. I didn't want the okay car. I wanted the Ferrari. I wanted a Lamborghini, you know? Um, so I always wanted the best and I, and I want, want to be the best, but the thing that changed my mindset was um, was when I came to America, and I was 11 years old. I thought I was coming to Beverly Hills, and we went to a little town called Sharon, Pennsylvania. Because they didn't have Google or Yahoo back then. You know, you know, they didn't know. You know, you know, you know. I, I, my my reference was American TV shows. Yeah, of course. And I was watching. You know, you know, I'm old, so there was shows like Dallas Dynasty and the Eighteen. So I thought, oh my God, I'm coming to America. Everybody has mansions and Bentleys and. I came to a little town called Sharon, Pennsylvania, and um, I was the only minority there. Sharon, Pennsylvania. Wait, no, no, where, where are you? From, where are you from originally? Where's your I'm, family? Where you? I'm Iranian. Okay, you know what I mean. And um, and boy, it was because I thought I was going to Beverly Hills. I came to the ghetto. I mean, the worst neighborhood. My uncle had a convenience store in the hood, and I'm talking about hood where there's drug dealers, pimps, and prostitutes outside. You know, liquor stores everywhere. You know, and um, so I went to school, you know, it was, you know, I was getting bullied and, and called names. I was the only minority. There was either black people and white people. I was the only minority. And I wanted to play um, soccer because that's what I knew back in my old country. And they didn't have that. In 1985, Sharon, Pennsylvania, they didn't know what soccer was. And they had football, baseball, and basketball. So I tried out for the basketball team and I got cut. It was the most devastating day of my early life because I was not only being ridiculed and, you know, bullied and called names. Now, like, you know, you know, it's, you know, uh, now I didn't make the team. And so I went home, crying home that day, told my mom, mom, I don't, I don't like America. I want to go back to my old country and um, nobody likes me here. I'm getting bullied. I'm getting called names. I don't like America. I want to go back. Just like we all do. We just want to go back to our comfort zone. You know, so um, my mom sat me down and told me three things that forever kind of changed my trajectory of life. She said, Sam, first of all, we can't go back because we came here as refugees. We escaped the war. So we can't go back. So that concept I know right now is burn the boats. Don't give yourself an option. Right. And two, she sat me down and said, Sam, do you really want to play basketball? Do you want to really play sports? 
I go, yes, I want to play sports. I, I, I need to do something. I love sports and they don't have soccer. I got to do something. I don't know anything about baseball. To this day, I still don't know nothing about baseball. You know, football, I had nothing. I, I love football now, but I didn't know what football was back then, American football. But basketball, I, you know, at least I knew the object of the game has to dribble the ball and put it in the hole. So um, I said, yeah, I do want to play basketball. She goes, all right, Sam, you can do whatever you want to do in life or be whoever you want, as long as you're willing to pay the price and do the work. Concept of hard work. That's number two. And then three, she says, all right, well, since you want to do, you want to do the work, let's put a plan together. You're in school till 2.15. You know, as soon as you get out of school, walk to the boys club, which is 15 minutes away. You get there at 2.30. You practice basketball from 2.30 to 5. And that's when I want to come pick you up after school. I, I, over there after I get off work and then we go home, you do your homework, you eat dinner and then you rinse and repeat and get better and try out next year. To this day, I print out my schedule every single day. Every single day, every single hour is accounted for. I have no white lines. I have no white spaces in my calendar. So she taught me, you know, burn the boats, go all in, you know, hard work and planning. And that's, the whole concept of the 1%. Man, it's, uh, I love it. I love that you track it all the way back to like these little things that your mom did. And, and wait, so did you make the basketball team the next year? So that's a great question. You know, uh, <laughs> question. I'm like, where well, it's cliffhanger. So, so, so I was getting better and I was practicing for a few months. And then I came to the boys club one day. And next thing you know, I see these guys coming down from this little room upstairs. And these guys were all yoked. They all looked like Arnold and Sylvester Stallone. And back then, all those movies were out the Rocky movies, the, you know, the Terminator movies. And I remember, you know, one time watching Arnold, you know, at Commando. And I was like staring at his arm when he was like, I was like, I'm like, how can this, is this possible? And I see these guys like looking all yoked out. And I'm like, well, I want to go look like them. Let me see what's going on upstairs. So I went upstairs, Alex, there was a bunch of these blue collar steel workers in Pennsylvania that were just in their overalls, you know, steel boots, just lifted insane weights, just spin tobacco, yelling at each other, screaming, you know, cu- you know cursing. And, um, and I was like, man, you know, this is, you know, these guys are going to eat me. I was kind of intimidated. And to my surprise, the little scrawny kid, little scrawny, awkward kid, I was like 12 years old, 13 years old. I walked in there and they all embraced me. They're all like, oh, come on in. Like, come work out with us. This intimidating men, they're like, oh, this guy's cool. And they were like, show me how to work out and show me how to eat. And that became my little family. It became my little gang. And I fell in love with lifting and I abandoned, you know, basketball. Looking back, if I would have not found that room, I would have never gotten the gym business. I would never gotten the transformation business. I would have never got what I have now. It's just crazy how life works, how you connect dots backwards and you can see everything happens for you, not against you. Yeah. And how you didn't back away from the fear, right? You could have opened that door and ran away like, oh my God, you know, you'd like, not only did they welcome you, but you could have stepped away from it. You could have made excuses. You could have said, I'm training for basketball, whatever it was. Um, The first time I worked out, next morning, I thought I'd die. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was so sore. I was limping for a week. 
You know, mm-hmm. and, I, and I remember winning, going to uh, a, a drugstore, buying a bottle of Bengay, because I, I kept like, Mom, I can't walk, I can't walk. I was, I was done, you know. And I remember rubbing Bengay all over my body, and I forgot I can't put it on your private part, because I went to pee, and I put it on my <laughs> private part. That was a whole different story for another time, yeah, man. Yeah. I, I, those are the good old days. You, you know what's interesting, too, and I never thought about this, but you reminded me of, my, I wasn't 12, right? The first time I went to a real gym, I want to say which Gold's Gym, was I was probably 17 or 18. I was a baseball player, and my, one of my teammates was going there. He had moved to the United States from Italy. He basically would like go to school, play baseball, go to the gym. That was like his whole life. And he was, it was like he was the one kid in high school who was jacked. It was like, how, you know, there's like two or three of them. And you're like, it doesn't make sense. How do they have, they're 17 and they have bodies like grown men. And um, I went with him one day because I used to, same as you, you know, I used to sit at home and my dad had workout equipment and I would like work out at home but I didn't, wasn't getting really any results and I didn't know what I was doing. And I was just like watching these guys on TV and watching the WWF back then and thinking the same stuff. Like I remember being 12 and getting Hulk Hogan's um, like little workout thing that came with like five pound weights, right? It was for kids and wanting to be jacked basically. And I remember going to this gym with this guy on my team and how quickly professional bodybuilders and professional trainers and people embraced me and like the whole, all these people. And I made friends and I I went to that gym for like 12 years after that. Um, And it's never been the same. And like no gym I've ever gone to has ever been the same as that first experience. But it's, you're making me think like how unique that is of a culture. Gym culture is very much like that. It's very accepting. It's very like, let me show you, you know, if I walked in and you were next to me and you saw me doing something wrong, my, I would bet money you would turn and be like, hey, let me show you how to do that exercise. It's because that, all of us started there. We all remember, oh my God, I remember when I came in, I was doing that wrong too, you know? It's so unique though, because if you think about other things, especially in American culture, that's not how it is, right? A lot of other things in American culture, like it's, it's we, if you can't hang, it's like we, you get shunned away a little bit. Yeah. Um, but thanks for, thanks for saying that because it is a really cool memory for me personally, but also to think about, man, that's a really unique and special thing about gym culture that people pick each other up. They care about each other. They want to help each other. And it's almost like, how do we create that outside of gyms? Um, what's, your, what's, been, what's it been like? Because you, you competed at such a high level. And I don't know. I mean, I can only see you from like the shoulder, right? Shoulders up, right? But you're... Are you, are you still competing like that? Are you still lifting like that? Or have you kind of toned it down? And how, what's it like to have it be different? Well, I, well, I lift every day. Mm-hmm. And I still apply the same principles, you know, that I used, you know, when I was bodybuilding. I still do a lot of compound exercises. I do still pyramiding. I still do the same thing. Now, I don't lift as heavy as I used to. I'm 47 years old, you know, and, you know, I don't recover like I did. And sometimes you have to understand that, you know, you have to evolve. You have to evolve your training. You have to evolve your nutrition, you know, and, I, and I've done that. You know, right now I'm not going for, you know, being, you know, having the maximum amount of muscle or, uh, you know, or, or being able to lift, you know, you know, 400 pounds on the bench. Right now I'm going for longevity. I'm going for health. I'm going for energy. You know, so I'm eating and training according to it. But I still, same principles that I've applied before, everything's the same. 
when you look back at like what you learned through your fitness experience, you know, changing weight classes, moving up and down, you know, really like competing, like coming in second, people that don't know fitness, like being second in Mr. USA is, is a really big deal, you know, to get a, to, to become a pro, you have to like get a card, you have to get a card, you have to win something like that. So it's, it's a huge accomplishment, you know, to, to do these things that you've done. What's the lesson, like the lasting lesson that you took away from, from that world? I would say the compound effect. And, you know, the compound effect is doing something day in, day out without seeing any results right away, but knowing that in process and in due time, the results will come. You know, I remember getting ready for the first show. My first show. And, you know, my first show, I think I started at like 20% body fat. You know, and they're like, oh, yeah, you got to start 16 weeks out and do this. And you go, you go the first day, the second day, the third day. You're like, gosh, man, I'm doing this diet. I'm doing this cardio. You know, this, I don't see anything. You know, but, you know, you just have faith. You follow the process and you stick to the plan. And next thing you know, a month later, well, I look okay, but I'm not, I don't see anything yet. Two months later, I don't see anything. Three months later, okay, maybe, but I'm still not going to be stage ready. Four months later, oh, I'm here now. After four months of day in, day out, and having faith in the process, you're going to get there. And in life, man, you know, um, there's a blueprint to everything. You know, there's a blueprint to everything. You, have, you find a blueprint, you follow the blueprint, and, and trust the process. I often think like the gym is a great example for the the business things we're working on or like our personal stuff. You know, a client will say, well, I tried that this week. You know, we'll get something for their mindset or uh, they try something for their business to grow their business. And they'll come back to me and they'll be like, I tried that. I don't know. It did, didn't work. I didn't get results. And, I, and, and often I'll say something like, hey, you go to the gym or you go to whatever, however they, I know that they work out. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, so after you worked out today, you came home and saw like everything was different. You, you did arms and you had bulging muscles or you, you know, you took one spinning class and suddenly you were, had the body you wanted and they laugh and they're like, no, of course not. And it's like, well, why would it be any different in any other area of your life? Yeah. Um, I would say, man, gym and life, they're, they're, they're a metaphor. When you, when did you cross over? from being like, you know, it's like your body was your business, basically. When did the transition happen that you then moved into like building these bigger, you know, other businesses that are outside of you? It wasn't right. It wasn't just your body. It's a great question. You know, so, um, so I started my business in the year 2000, February 15 of 2000. And that was that, like at, at the peak of my bodybuilding career, you know, and, um, and at that time, I'm like, hey, man, you know, I'm from Sharon, Pennsylvania. You know, so, you know, if you make $2,000 a month in Sharon, Pennsylvania, and to this day, you're doing amazing. You know what I mean? The average house there, I think it's called, is like $40,000, $50,000, and you get a pretty nice house. You know what I mean? And um, so for me, you know, uh, you know, having a business that, you know, I was making, say, ten grand a month, and um, I'm able to lift all day and train clients and work 80 hours a week. Literally, I was in the gym 80 hours a week. You know, that was dream to me. You know, hey, man, I had a BMW. And Sharon, you know, in Sharon, if you had a BMW, you were either one or the doctor or the lawyer. You know what I mean? You know, that, that, that's it. You know what I mean? Um, so, um, 
So, you know, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to do anything else. Right. So, um, you know, the, when I, um, you know, you know, at, at that time I wanted to compete and I wanted to earn money and I was doing both. But when I got runner up Mr. USA in 2005, I was left with a choice. I'm like, all right, do I want to try to win the USA's next year and turn pro? Or do I want to start a family and, you know, take my business seriously? And at that time, I was 32 years old. You know, I was like, man, I'm 32. You know, I don't want to, you know, compete again. I had to make a choice. So then my choice was, okay, let me start a family. And let me now, um, you know, let me start a family and let me now, uh, you know, take my business seriously and take my business to the next level. What's been the biggest challenge in these, right? Like, well, let me actually say this different. When you're working on yourself and your body, it's all on you. There's so many, it's just like, hey, you decide what food you eat, you decide how you lift. Yeah, there's factors, right? Like that you can't control, but it's so much that like you have so much control over yourself. And that's a lot of what bodybuilding is or fitness is, is self-discipline. But when you step out into the business world, whether we're looking at like your gyms, or your nutrition companies, or even being a parent, it's not just you anymore, right? There's like all these other moving parts, there's customers, there's you as a parent, your kids, your wife. What have you had to like change about your mindset so you can actually have the same results, but it not just being about you, you know, working with other people and whatnot? Well, you have to understand that, you know, um, you have to understand that when you build a team, we're building a business. It's not just you. You're building a team. You can't do it all by yourself. You know what I mean? And, and as you know, bodybuilding is one of the most selfish sports ever. See, I was, I was the only child, so I was already selfish. I was a bodybuilder. So, you know, I was all about my training, my nutrition, you know, uh, you know when I'm going to sleep, you know, you know what I'm going to what, what is my next protein shake? You know, and so now when you start a business and you start a family, now you're like, wait a second, man, I got to take care of everybody. And I still got to take care of myself, but now I got to manage my time to be able to do both. What's, how does this challenge you? You know, when you're like looking at, you know, all these things, like when you, you have this business, I don't know how many people, I know, you know, as I look at the camp online, you have a lot of gyms. I told you, I didn't realize how many gyms you have. Now, I used to be in the restaurant business and I used to do franchising. I used to oversee all franchising. And I know that's not an easy job, right? Everybody who franchises one of your gyms has some crazy idea about that, what they're going to do yeah. that might not go along with what the gym is. Yeah. So how have you transformed yourself to be able to put down that selfishness and work with people to, to reach a common goal? I think that's one of the biggest challenges we're facing as a world is we're not, we're not, um, we're not like winning the game of common goals. We're fighting against each other. You know, I think you said it perfectly. You know, you want to sit down with someone all the time. You have to realize in a relationship to work, whether it's personal relationship or whether it's business relationship, if both parties don't win, it won't work. So if you're looking to, uh, if you're looking to, you know, have good relationships and have, you know, whether it's personal relationships that work or business relationships that work, you have to find a, a plan that 
both people can win. And without sitting down and communicating and agreeing that, hey, this is how we're going to win, you know, let's win. This is good for you and this is good for me. And we have to be able to conduct ourselves in a certain way that we both win. Then I, I don't think anybody can argue that. The problem is that I think most, most of our problem always comes from lack of communication or trying to just win and getting over on somebody. You know, if, but if, if you go in and, and say, hey, look, you know, I don't think, you know, this is, a, this is a good deal. I don't think this is a good deal. Can, you agree, can we agree on this? And you present, present it in a way that it makes sense. I think it's not that hard. Yeah, we don't have a, um, we're not really taught that both people can win, especially, I mean, like here in America, that's not a, like uh, an American kind of thing. It's, it's, it's not that it, we're like always trying to one up each other, but it's a, as a very individualistic culture, Yes, like, uh, you know, capitalism is drives off. Like it's not capitalism doesn't drive off. Like, Hey, maybe, let me make sure I take care of my neighbors. It make is driven off of wh- how much can I get? What can I accomplish? And I think back like when we're kids, right? We don't think when we're taught to share, right? But often what happens when you teach a kid to share, it's like, well, they don't get the thing they want. Yeah. It's not like how do both kids get the thing they want? It's like, well, one does and one doesn't. Um, I love the idea of win-win in relationship. Um, but you'd actually have to know what the common goal is. Right? If you don't know what the common goal you is. You have to know the common goal. You have to know the common goal. You have to sit down and communicate the common goal. You have to figure out what's going on with it. You know what I mean? So I want to, I want to touch on, you know, you, when you shared the way you grew up, it has me thinking about money mindset because you mm-hmm. grew up very, you shared like not in a, not wealthy, not abundant, bad neighborhood. The culture around you was a, a culture of scarcity, yeah. you know, in like the neighborhood and whatnot. Um, and so many people nowadays are understanding that like, hey, their mindset plays in. If they, don't, if they don't believe in abundance, if they don't think they're worthy, they'll never be able to. How were you able to, and if you even did it consciously, how were you able to change your mindset and become, you know, a hundred million dollar CEO from a little boy who grew up in an area where basically he was, you know, you escaped something and then you went to an area where it was more poverty than, than abundance? That's a great question, man. I think you just evolve over time. You just evolve over time. And I, and I think once you start climbing up the ladder of success, if you're conscious about the world and you're conscious about people, then uh, you become conscious about, um, you know, a, a, about your mindset. You know, you know, nobody wants to live in, oh my God, like, you know, there's not, there's not enough in the world. There's not, I mean, like I told you, $2,000 a month for us was a lot. I remember, you know, the first time I made $10,000 in a month. I'm like, what? Is this possible? Is this possible for me to love what I do and make $10,000 a month? Because I remember working for $3.35 in the car wash in, 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 in the snow. I remember working for $3.35 an hour in a cheese factory. I remember, you know, pumping gas for $3.35. And now I'm lifting all day and training clients. I'm making 10 grand, you know. And then next thing I remember when I first made 20 grand a month. And then the number just went up and one up and up and up. 
And then I'm like, wait a second, it is possible for you to be able to have the life that you want and not be so scarcity minded. I come from an area that was so scarcity minded. So you evolve over time, you know, and um, I guess if, if I hadn't climbed the ladder of success, it would have been hard for me. I would have been still very scarcity minded. And I thought like, you know, the world was like against me and there's only so much in the world. So over time, it just naturally happened as I started seeing the bigger picture in life. How does this show up now with your kids, right? Because your kids are growing up very different than you grew up. And you know, they're, they're, they're growing up in a world of abundance and privilege and they have all these things. How are you going to, how are you and your wife? Because it's, it's not just you, but how are you teaching them? First of all, to be grateful, right? To, the, to understand that what they have, like a lot of other people don't have, but also have that mindset to like, hey, you're going to also have to grow up and earn some stuff at some point. I don't, I, don't, I don't take you as the guy who's just like, I'm going to give it all to my kids and they could just sit around. No, I'm, I'm, I know that question was coming. And that's a question that I've asked myself over and over and over again. And I finally got the answer because I always didn't have an answer. You know, and I asked that question to me over and over again. How can I give, you know, and, and there's a quote that says, give your children enough to do something, but not so much that they don't do anything. There's another quote that says that, you know, it's not what you leave them, it's what you leave in them. So every day I try to figure out an opportunity to teach them a lesson. Every day I try to talk to them about, you know, gratitude, about hard work, about money management. And they're, you know, the oldest one is 11. You know, so every day, you know, I, you know, I, I have an opportunity to, to, uh, to present something to them. Now, um, I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm believer to educate them, to empower them, but don't spoil them. You know, so, and, and the way I show them that, they don't see me, you know, on a Tuesday in my pajamas watching Netflix. They don't, they don't see that. So the way I show that, that they equate everything that I have. Oh, daddy gets up and go to work. Oh, daddy has a, a, a phone call. He has to be up. Daddy's on Zoom all day. Daddy has to take care of this. Daddy has to take care of that. So they equate hard work with what they see here. And they know that they can also accomplish that if they're going to put in the work. Yeah, nice. I love that. What, um, who's your, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to give you, I want this is my like last question, but then I have a space for you to kind of share with us, whatever you want. I'm just curious, who are your mentors? Like, who do you, who do you learn from? Who do you look up to? What do you read? I learn from everybody. The world is my mentor. (laughs) I truly believe that, you know, I truly believe that. I mean, you know, um, I learned from a 16 year old kid just as much as I can learn from anybody. I'm a student first and foremost, you know, and, um, you know, yes, there's people that I look up to, you know, people like, you know, say, you know, Andy Frisella, people Ed Milet, people like um, Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, you know, you know, uh, bless his soul. You know, there, there's, there's, you know, Patrick, but David, you know, those are people that I look up to and I'm like, man, these guys are cool people I'm, I'm learning a lot from, you know, but that's not what I limit my information in. You know, every once in a while I go to the gym, when I used to go to the gym before the pandemic, you know, and then, um, you know, a, a young kid wants to work out with me. And we know what I tell him, like, hey, let me follow your routine. 
And he does an exercise slightly differently than I've ever done. And I've been doing it for 30 years. I'm like, well, wait a second. This exercise is pretty cool. I want to incorporate that now in, into my workout. So the world is our mentor, man. You can't just limit yourself. Well, I'm just going to learn from this person. Yes, yeah, there's, there are people that you want to emulate. There's people that you, you respect. You're like, man, I want to do what they're doing. But don't ever, you know, write somebody off because, well, maybe they're younger than you or maybe they don't have as much experience as you or maybe they don't have uh, the accolades as you do. That's a great, uh, that's, that's a great advice or a great tip. I also, I, I love, I miss that too. You know, going to work out with somebody, just that simple and being like, no, let's just do what you do. Yeah. I want to see what you do. I just want to see. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to learn something. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you learn a new exercise, I think it's like the metaphor for life. It's like, oh my, how did I not know about this? For sure. <laughs> um, so is there anything, you know, I, I just like to give people always a moment to like, if there's anything that they want to say, anything they want to share, anything that they've been wanting to talk about or bring up that they haven't been able to. I know, you, I mean, you have a podcast yourself, so talk about a lot of things already but is there anything you want to like leave with the listeners with as we wrap up absolutely man you know um you know if you look at pretty much anyone's life that uh reached some level of success you know you're going to see that life has its seasons you know and you know there's a lot of ups and downs in life you know you, you have the you know springtime summertime you know you know fall and you have the winter and everybody who made anything out of themselves, they understand that, you know, that when going is good, it's not always going to be good. It's not always going to be summer. And when things are bad, they're not always going to be bad. They're not always going to be winter. So as long as when things are good, you prepare for winter. And when things are bad, have faith that summer is around the corner then you're going to be okay. So if you're going through some seasons in life right now, you might go through COVID right now and, and, and things are not looking good for you. Just understand that all you got to do is keep going. Winston Churchill said that, you know, if you're going through hell, keep going. Sooner or later, you will pass hell. And I think, I think that's, and, and that's the way, you know, and obstacles are not in the way. Obstacles are the way. And if you have faith, you understand that there's a reason that everything happens. And if you just persevere and you keep going and be resilient, good things around the corner. Uh, you said something just now that um, you might have, I, m- I might make you do a little work for me. Sure. <laughs> um, but uh, you actually talked about, I'm working on a book right now that is like right in line with something you just said. I don't, it's like even too early to like throw it out here on this podcast, but I just wrote, I was like, you might, I might have to come back to you. You might be hearing from me soon to write the foreword for a book that I'm actually started working on. Um, well, it could be, be an honor. That you just touched on that. Uh, it's, you just said it's so different than how I envision my book, but I was like, oh, that's, thanks for, it's also like a sign, right? I've been like working on this thing, outlining it. My cousin told me this weekend, you need to write this book. Like she's a, she's, I call her a witch. She's like very like spiritual. And, but uh, she was like, you need to get on this book. And now in what, within a week, you just brought the same conversation. Um, Sam, thank you so much for being here. I know how much you're up to, how busy you are. You got tons of projects. You're a dad, you're a husband. You know, it's like 
there's, you don't need to take more time out of your day to have a conversation like this. So I'm grateful that you would choose to, to give me your time, give the audience your time. Um, I'm also present to like, just how, you know, humble and, and peaceful. And, um, I want to say like everyday man that you are. Thank you. Uh, that means a lot to you. It's, uh, especially like when I see all that you've done and you look, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm like, man, this guy's going to come in here and it's like, no, this is, this is, you're like a guy who it's like, I want to sit down and have a meal with and just talk to and connect with. So I was, for- I, yeah, I wasn't always like that. That's something that I had to, you know, just train myself, man. You know, like I said, man, you know, you know, God humbles you so, so many times in so many ways. And, you know, no matter what my accomplishments are and no matter what I do in life, you know, uh, the biggest gift and blessing is to give back and, and help other people and, and make an impression on them. So I appreciate you recognizing that, Alex. That's, that's a lot of work on my part that I've been doing, personal development and, 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 and reflection. And again, I want to thank you so much for being on your show. Yeah, thank you. And I want to just tell people where they can find you. I mean, obviously the one percenter, um, is it, is it, is how do they find, is it one percent sign podcast? Like what do they type yeah, in? Yeah, yeah, one percent podcast yeah one percent of podcast and, and then and, uh, and then my social media is all the same sam bactiar s-a-m-b-a-k-h-t-i-a-r and you know what i have a community number if anybody wants to text me directly it's 909-200-4015 awesome sam thanks again i really appreciate it um Dude, have a have a great you know rest of your 2020 i'm going to come to you for that forward but thanks for being here of course um, yeah, thanks for the gifts that you brought this podcast today. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. God bless. Thank you, guys. You too. Uh, everybody listening, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Um, please go check out Sam. Go check out what he's up to. Go support his businesses. And if it's not for you, tell somebody that you know that needs to know. Pay it forward. Um, have a great week. Try to you know try to keep your head up this year. There's a lot of possibility, even though it doesn't seem like it. And if you can hear the dogs in the background, those are supportive barks. They're rooting for us. They're saying, come on, humans, keep going. Uh, Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream, and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.